Good morning, everyone. I'm just kind of getting things started. We'll be starting our discussion in about three minutes here, so just stand by. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, Good morning, Jason. around Jensen. doing a few things, huh? I am. Sure wish I was with you where you are anyway. No, it's great to see fun. you today, Ty. Always love having you in the room as well. Hi, Tamson. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. You know, it's funny because now in, uh, at least here in Southern California, Oh, Kelly, you're breaking up a bit, hon. Kelly, we can't hear you. Sorry. Okay, I just you're breaking up. I'll figure it out. Okay. Now I can hear you. Good morning, Alexis, and good morning, Chuck. Good morning. morning. Or good afternoon from these. <laughs> How was DevOps? Was it good? It was, it was excellent. Oh, I know you always enjoy that. Yep. Yeah, like as as we as we were talking uh, in text about, it's exhausting but exhilarating, which is a it, very it, good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Super. Are you back home? What was that? I said, are you back? Are you back home? No, still out east. We're actually in um, in West Virginia, close to where we used to live. So my, oh. my son's going to see some friends this afternoon and we're just kind of putzing around and then we'll fly back tomorrow. Okay. All right. Well, and then back, back to home sweet home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, what a great, exciting week for you. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, we are at the 930 uh Point here, so I'm going to go ahead and, and open up the clubhouse here for our discussion. And um, Kelly, hopefully your mic is working now, or you're in a better place where you have connectivity. Hopefully, I think yeah. I'm better now. Hopefully, yeah, you sound me. good. Yeah, you sound fine now. Um, so, um, welcome everybody to the Learning to Le- to Lead Clubhouse. Uh, we meet here every Saturday morning at 9:30 to 10:30 Pacific Standard Time. And I'm Tamara White, and I'm here with Kelly White, and we're your hosts along with our wonderful moderators Chuck Mounds Jr. and Alexis Stern. And w- this clubhouse was created as a forum to really talk about everything leadership, the challenges, the achievements, and everything in between. In addition to that, um, it's really just a forum where we can learn and hone our leadership skills, either by investing in ourselves or the others in the room. We have been really lucky to have a a real nice, diverse uh, group of leaders join this club and and these discussions that we're having. And they really bring a broad diversity of experience and perspective. This is really a great place to, to really talk about whatever's on your mind. And also, we try to bring some very a um, thought-provoking content to U.S. leaders so that we can continue to learn and hone our, our craft on our leadership journey. So I um, want to welcome all those that are on the stage and also those that are in the listening lounge. And if you'd like to come up to the stage, just simply raise your hand and we'll bring you up. We encourage you to follow our clubhouse and also follow others in the room as this is a way to grow your network with like-minded people, leaders. And if you like the content, share the room, 
and invite others to join the discussion. You can do that uh, as we're speaking here in the in the forum. And there's a couple of ways that you can actually communicate with us. You can either uh, join us or talk to us through the chat feature, uh, DM or Instagram. And also um, you can communicate with us on our Substack website. And that's the place where we always uh, post our replays, our recaps and our resources. We do that on Substack and LinkedIn. And also encourage you to subscribe to our Substack website and you'll always be up to date and receive notifications of what's going on as well as the, the recordings and the resources that we share. So with that, thanks for being here on a Saturday morning. I'm going to turn the mic over to Kelly. Thanks, Tamara. And hello, everyone. Welcome on uh, your Saturday. Hope your weekend's starting off well. Um, as Tamara mentioned, we do replays. So often some of the things that we will cover off on live um, is also for the benefit of those who might be listening again um, and, and our replay time. So again, if you find that this conversation is helpful, please share it with someone else. It might benefit them. But one of the things that we do and I love about our conversations on Saturday is continuing to practice um, self-awareness, checking in with ourselves and paying attention to how we are doing over time. So as we build this muscle and continue to practice this, we like to start our day off here with a word of the week, which is kind of one word that really encapsulates how your week went, how things went, you know, be it professionally or personally. And again, maybe keep track of this, keep it, keep it in a journal, a notebook, write it down and see kind of what themes might emerge. So I'm at a round table with everyone. Would love to hear how your week went and I'll start with Tamsin. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to go with happy. My week was just pretty, pretty good. And I'm going to sit with happy. Had a really long conversation on uh, Thursday with Courtney Kistler, which was kind of fun. Uh, so that's my word. Fantastic. Love to hear that. Alexis, good morning. What's your word? So I'm going to go with physical because that's not probably ever ever again going to be my word because I moved and did like crazy Herculean things that I didn't think I could do. So definitely physical this week. Yeah, understandable for sure. Chuck. I'm going to go with joy. Um, we had, I was at the first in-person conference I've been to since the pandemic. Uh, we pulled it off. Um, I was a part of the organizing committee um, and I got to, to see a lot of people I hadn't seen for quite some time. And um, we had some nice um, post-event conversations for the past two to three nights. So it was just, it was just fantastic, and brought um, both smiles and you know a few little tears as well. So it was just amazing. That's fantastic to hear, and I can, I can, I think we can all kind of relate to those moments of whatever that means, be it you know, person, you know, professionally going to a an event and being a part of that and feeling like some of those things are returning that I think we all very much missed when we think about the impact of a pandemic and remote work. We talk a lot about that, but there's moments of getting together that just still are, are very powerful and a reminder and, and kudos to you for, you know, being a part of the, the group that makes that actually happen for others. I'm sure it was equally impactful for them. Good morning, Gary. What's your word of the week? Uh, mine's just going to be relaxing. I had four days off this week, so it was kind of nice. Wonderful, well-earned, well-deserved. Glad you had a good break. Tamara. Uh, my word this week is organized. I'm working on quite a bit of things. There's a lot of different, uh, you know, irons in the fire. And I feel like I kind of got myself really organized and, and making some great progress. That's fantastic. Again, great to hear. I love that, the, again, if you think about listening to everybody's word of the week, uh, the, the diversity between different experiences, be it a relaxing time or being organized or the physical, you know, or, you know, the joyous or the happy moments. And so, again, I, I always love hearing from all of you and, and hearing how, you know, our different experiences we're all having. Um, I would say for mine, I was trying to think about what I would say today. Um, and I'm going to choose the, the word accomplished. Um, I wanted to use something that was a cheating in multiple words, which is maybe overcoming a, a feat. This was a very, very uh, intensely busy week again, but we accomplished some very, very big milestones, achieved a lot this week. A couple really, really big meetings happened that we had been working several weeks ahead to kind of prepare for. And the the feeling of coming out of those big moments successful 
um, is fantastic. It's an amazing feeling. And it's a really a feeling I would best describe as being very accomplished. So my Friday was a really nice day of just, you know, celebrating a couple of victories and really feeling like we accomplished some, some, again, great, you know, great achievements that we had set out to achieve. And, and now we kind of have this moment of celebration and feeling like we accomplished something that was pretty challenging, but well worth the effort. Yeah. And I would just kind of tie that. Uh, I love hearing this, Kelly, because this takes me back to our conversations about multipliers and, and that term, uh, which I shared with Chuck a moment ago about the, the sense of being exhausted, something being very exhausting, but yet exhilarating at the same time. And it's a, it's a reminder that you were in a very wonderful environment where people were multiplying up and, and you were your, your talent and your intellect and all those things that charge you up and give you passion and fire in your belly. We're, we're all being, we're all being utilized at that time. So good for you. Wonderful example. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think, Again, as we go in even to the conversation today, you know, those moments of feeling like you are really being um, stretched and challenged and extended beyond your capabilities is really an amazing moment. And again, the more that we can be present and acknowledge and see when it's happening is when we actually can capture those learnings and really understand then how do we articulate what we experienced, both for ourselves, but also as we are teaching the leaders around us. Good morning, Mako. I'm not sure if you want to share your word of the week or if you're in transit, but happy to give you a minute if you want to if you want to share. I know it's been a busy time and we're happy to have you back. Oh, word of the week. I forgot to prep my word of the week. I don't know. Chaos. So glad to have you back. Well, yeah, I, as I tell everybody, I put the F you in fun. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll embrace them. We got that. Uh, the, the chaos, which I think we can all relate to, but welcome. We're happy to have you back. I'm going to jump into the topic today just because, again, as we, we kicked off last week, this is a new series for us. We really spent the last conversation talking about what executive presence actually means. And we talked about some definitions around, you know, what some different, you know, groups like Forbes or Harvard Business Review and how they've articulated that, how they've talked about it and defined it and helped really kind of create some moments of clarification and groundings. But we know that it can be a really incredibly ambiguous and elusive term. So now we want to start to really break down what that can mean and how we really can, you know, apply that for ourselves. And as usual, these topics are not, you know, cut and dry. There's not a one size fits all. and There's a lot of gray area. But as I talk about, you know, kicking off our conversation today with word of the week and this idea of self-awareness, a huge part of executive presence is first having the self-awareness. How are you being perceived? How do you want to be perceived? How are you positioning yourself and walking all the fine lines and the, the thorny conversations about what this can mean and how to continue to be authentically yourself, but also, again, aware of how you might be positioning yourself. And as a reminder, you know, the three areas that we really talked about, the three kind of primary dimensions that will guide our series really are this idea of the gravitas of executive presence, communication for executive presence and appearance. So today we're going to talk about what I believe really actually is the most complicated, which is appearance. How are you seen? How are you perceived? And there's a lot around this that can be challenging, but again, we have to start with understanding what this actually means and then understand how we are going to navigate this, how we are going to show up, how we are going to be intentional about it. So I will make, you know, moments of break where I want to kind of open to the floor and, you know, I'm going to start to introduce, you know, some of the research that Tamara pulled together around understanding, you know, how these things come together and what, what the perception is even around appearance and how important it is. And then I definitely am going to want to open it to the floor to hear from others about your reaction, right? What are you, what are you thinking here? How are you responding to this? And maybe some of the, the, the ways that you navigate this yourself. And then we'll go through the back half of the conversation with some specific tactics that you can be aware of um, and how you can really think about this again as a, as a leader. So first I'll go into the, the research. I think is really interesting, which is, you know, when, when there was some research done by CTI, they really started to examine the importance of, you know, core, you know, uh, characteristics for executive presence for senior executives. And the way, if I, if you think about those three dimensions that I, that I shared, right, gravitas, communication, and appearance, 
the importance, which maybe won't shock you, right? But 76% placed the highest importance on gravitas. Then it was 28% on communication and 5% on appearance, right? So that sounds like it's really not important. Appearance isn't important at all. But, you know, we have to also make sure that we're, we're digging into this a little bit more to understand, you know, what does this actually mean when you start to think about aspects of appearance? And what does it mean as we start to think about, you know, gender, even in the lens of kind of just thinking specifically about the gender lens and how that can impact. And, you know, some of the key aspects that were tested when they started to look at appearance specifically was this idea of how important is it to be considered polished or groomed? And it was kind of equally important for both, you know, perceived importance for both women and men, be it about 35 and 38% respectively, it was important, right? Physically attractive or fit or slim. And you're going to see, we're going to get into this, is why this is, you know, kind of can be a very um, thorny, I like the term thorny, it can be a very challenging conversation for many lenses, we'll go into that. But for physically attractive or fit or slim, it was 19% and 16% importance for women versus men. Simple stylish clothes to position you for the next job. So it's an important point we'll come back to. About 12 and 13% women and men. Being tall, very interesting. We don't have control over how tall we are, right? 6% versus 16% for men. So this is where you start to see biases are going to start to come in here. Being, being youthful, tall, being tall, I'll just tell you, Kelly, being tall is awesome. <laughs> everybody else who who wants to be taller we can channel your confidence and uh you know what you what you get out of your tallness Mako. but did but did you see there was an article that came out this week that apparently during covid there's like in this like secret surgery that's been going on to make people three to five inches taller i'm actually serious you can google no there's this, a, like, a i saw i've seen a there was a documentary that i watched before the pandemic uh specifically it was focused on um, I think it was in China that there's actually China and Japan, they were having actual surgeries to make people taller. So, you know, again, like it is actually, we can joke about it, but it is serious. But again, it's these moments of, you know, when people are trying to change themselves physically, you know, and how dramatic and what drastic, you know, steps they may also take to become taller, um, which is again, very interesting. And again, we'll, we'll go into it, but yes, Mako, I, I know exactly what, <laughs> what you're talking about, which well, and as a nurse, I'll just add that they do have to break your legs. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's a very dramatic, drastic thing. Well, and it's not a, you know, you can't you can't make an omelet without breaking a few <laughs> eggs. How tall do you want to be and how much is it worth it? To yeah. You? yeah. Um, but again, like, you, again, if you think about this, right, like all the items that I just listed, right, you know, I know and I, I will say personally, when I when I looked at the, the data for this week's conversation and I think even as we prepped previously, and talk to talk to you know amongst the moderators and with Tamara, you know it was. I definitely have a reaction to this because I I do inherently believe that there's a lot of of different bias and discrimination that has ingrained in a lot of areas that has actually held back a lot of different groups from you know being perceived as having executive presence specifically because they weren't allowed to show up as their authentic self. So as we talk about kind of what this means. You know, that's that's the first thing as I was thinking about this conversation is at first, you know, the first is just looking at it and understanding. And then it's really understanding what are you going to do about it? What does it mean to you? And how do you think about an environment that allows you to embrace aspects of this as far as, you know, being able to show up as someone who takes their appearance seriously? This is going to be a theme that comes in, not that you have to adhere to a specific appearance, but also make sure that you, again, are, are positioning yourself and paying attention to how you're showing up. Because again, this can be an area that I think anybody can probably step back and think about how this has been a challenge for them in any number of ways, potentially from a perception. So I'm gonna pause there before I go deeper on this. That was at least my first reaction. I would love to hear if anybody else has, you know, a reaction or a thought or something on this, specifically the topic, because this is such an outwardly physical appearance where I know a lot of bias and judgment comes in very quickly the way that our brains work. What are your thoughts and does anything stand out to you? Uh, you know, uh, Alexis and I were just talking about this whole idea of bias and, and, and stereotype that exists. And, and, I, and Alexis, I'd love you to share your thoughts around that. I mean, we, we, we're sort of surprised that, you know, there's so much of it still exists, but in, in fact, it really does. 
Alexis, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think my, the, this is, we talked about, I mean, I have a lot of feelings on this. I would agree with the thorny, but I will say, I think one of the most interesting pieces that you've already brought up is that so much of this is beyond our control. And it, it really, like as a disabled woman who has to wear leg braces, <laughs> my ability to look stylish is um, non-existent. And so these things that are that are not beyond our control add to the fight for those who are trying to to have this kind of presence, but you know, maybe shorter. I'm short too. And by the way, being short is just fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm kind of rambling, but that's because this brings up a lot of questions and feelings. And at the same time, I do find myself looking at those that I find to have a really solid presence and they are what I would say put together. And so what that means, what being put together means is a really interesting topic to explore. And I would just add that I think that, you know, and Kelly, you hit on it, you know, we, we looked at this, this research study of these five areas that they compared men execs to women execs and, and what percentage of these were influencing the perception of those, those senior executives looking at them. But it's just it's it's really it's it's so hard to just isolate appearance by itself because gravitas includes appearance, you know, uh, communication skills have to do with body language, right, and how you're using your hands and your eye contact and all the rest of it. And it's just important to you know I just want to point this out that you know as we talk through this that we have to understand appearance is really important because it's really embedded in those other two pillars. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've always tried to do is like I've always tried to actively seek out opportunities to sort of tone the craft of that in terms of like presence. You know, I have a, a like a monthly reminder, go seek out a speaking opportunity because like honestly like I don't know, it's hard to say like the physical thing versus just how you emote when you're talking to people is a very different thing and I think you can yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough, right? Like I'm I'm, a, I'm, I'm tall. I'm six two. Uh, you know, I've gone through my hoodie phase to my, yeah, I'm going to dress nice phase to the, now I kind of don't give a shit and wear a pirate t-shirt and, you know, kind of, you know, now I'm thinking about getting tattoos and stuff. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just like, for me, it's just about how, I don't want to say it's cool. I don't know if it's like trying to develop a charisma or a personality or the ability to, to speak and emote, but like, it's tough. I mean, there's a lot of biases out there, as you say, you know, and it's, uh, uh, just something that I find that you have to speak with humor and some authority yet be, I'm a little self-deprecating. I don't know if that's good or bad, but like, I like to own my flaws and I think that comes across as being authentic. And I think just having an authentic voice can go a long way for a lot of people. Yeah. I think, you know, well said on all parts. And I think, you know, again, and, and Mako, what you're hitting on is really interesting. So as we kind of go into and, and go deeper into kind of what does it mean? What does it mean to be polished and put together, right? I think, you know, there's an element of, you know, number one, making sure that you work in an environment so that you you do have an environment that will embrace you wearing a pirate shirt, right? But also there's different industries that perceive what being put together actually means and the message that is sent. And I talked to Tamara about this, you know, working in entertainment and technology, you know, it is very much the norm to not wear a suit. And if you wear a suit, you know, you're perceived very differently versus, you know, somebody who just maybe comes in with a button up shirt or, you know, if you're in yeah, a we, we make industry, fun of the we make fun of the suit people. Exactly. Well, you're not seen as part of a part of the team, right? You're seen as as different. You're seen as corporate. You're seen as the outsiders. And so I think it's those nuances that, you know, we can joke about, but it's also understanding a big part of this, right? Stepping back and looking at the environment you know, understanding what your goals are, what you aspire to be, where you aspire to go in your career and start to pay attention to, you know, what does it look like? What do those seniors executives look like at that table? What does that, how does that make you feel? You know, are you comfortable with that? Would you change it slightly? But the first is always that, that tuning in to what is the norm? What is the acceptable norm here? And what are people doing? And again, I always talk creatives, you know, if you look at a lot of creatives in, you know, the entertainment space, most of them are not wearing suits. Most of them are not wearing what corporate business attire might be. They might be wearing something that really is much more about, you know, expressing their creativity on the outside as much as they want to be able to share their voice and their ideas from the inside. So I think it's, again, 
paying attention to when you say being polished or put together? Well, what does that mean? What does that mean where you are, what industry you're in, and where you want to go? I'll pause there, and I think someone might come up for me to want to make sure if anybody has something to add. Gary? Yeah, I just want to add, I, I wore a suit to my interview at Disney, and, and Mako made fun of me. <laughs> I think the first thing he said was, what are you Yes! Doing? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, right? And we can kind of laugh about it, but again, it's, it's what is that, you know, what does that group look like? What does that team look like, you know? And I see senior leaders all the time around me that sit in different parts of the company that I work in, and some of them wear suits. Some of them would not be caught dead wearing a suit. Some of them, you know, express themselves differently in different ways or, you know, will embrace colorful hair or, or make a talk about tattoos. So some of this is about, again, you know, how do you want to be perceived? How are you showing up? Understanding and embracing that some of these things are going to be out of your control. But that's where, again, it's also about making sure that where you are is the kind of inclusive culture and environment that you want to be a part of too, right? So if there are, if you're seeing flags of, you know, extreme bias or discrimination, like it's important to see those things, understand where you potentially can influence and change, but maybe where it's also, this may not be a path where if you end up at that senior level that you might be aspiring to, you may not be quite so happy there, or you may not feel like you're going to be included, really an inclusive environment there. So it's, it's all, again, this big self-awareness topic will keep going as we go through the conversation. But, but isn't that the important question? I think that's actually a super fascinating point you bring up there. Like I've always wanted to work in environments that allowed me to be myself in some way. And I think, I mean, everyone's in a different position and, and, and I get that, but like I have the most fun and the most um, energy derived from an environment that allows me to, you know, inject my own personality into how, it, you know, into how sort of I'm allowed to present and emote and talk to people. I mean, obviously you're not going to go up to, you know, in front of a group of people and act like a complete idiot, but you know, it almost begs the question, like if you're, and, and I don't know, maybe people aren't as lucky and they're working in fields where they can't be their true personality, but I don't know, for me, it's like that, that allows me personally to derive a lot of just presence uh, in, in what I'm doing. You know, I was asked to give a, a talk recently to a bunch of uh, graduates uh, you know, incoming uh, interns and graduates. And, you know, it was really interesting because HR reached out to me and I said, you know, hey, can you come and, and do this this talk about technology and a thing? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that talk. You know, I'd rather do the talk about things that I've learned. And um, they're like, oh, what's that? I'm like, don't be an asshole. And they were like, I was kind of testing it out, like to see like how even HR would respond to that. And they they were like, ooh, we like that. Like no one's ever wanted to do that type of talk before. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I just leaned into it and like, you know, had a real raw, honest conversation with people, not about just the technology thing, but like just what it really means to work in an environment and the challenges you face and how you need to protect time. Don't be an asshole. Don't create bullshit. And I got so much positive feedback for that. And, you know, it, it was just a really interesting moment in time for me where I just, I finally just realized like the more I can just be myself and kind of talk about the things that I care about and environments that I care. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm in a different place career wise, but I don't know. To me, that's been the most, the most fun. And, you know, Kelly, you've been in a lot of those kind of big presentations where I've been in it as well. And, you know, you can always tell when the person who is presenting or emoting is into the topic or having fun with the topic versus like, oh, I got to get up in a suit and talk about a bunch of stuff because that's what I'm expected to do. No, it's absolutely. Really, it's, I totally it's, agree. It, I was just saying, it's so interesting to hear you, you talk about this and I, everything, what you're saying really, really resonates with me. But I think that the other piece is about, um, I would imagine, and you can speak to this, but I would imagine that when you get to the point where you can have a conversation like that, you have to some degree probably already established your reputation, you know, your leadership presence, your executive presence at that point where, you know, people already know who you are. They know what you have to offer. They know what, you know, what you're going to accomplish despite, you know, what's happening today, et cetera, where, you know, I think that the finesse probably is in, you know, you not everybody could just go in and say that, right? In other words, well, so you would have and, to. No, and I agree. I agree with yeah. what you're saying there. You know, it's just that's taken me a lot of time. And one of the things that I've always tried to do 
was watch tons of presentations, you know, I don't want to say copy, but at least derive the things from those presentations that I really enjoyed or, you know, those talks or what really engaged me in a, in a meeting or, oh, I was just in this conversation that was just amazing. I've always tried to like lens in on those nuggets and I don't want to use the word copy because it's not copy because you want to be your authentic self, but it's just more like get some nugget of learning out of that or being situationally aware to understand when the right time or the wrong time to, to inject certain commentary is. But, but again, yeah, you're probably right. Like, you know, I've, I'm, I'm old and you know, I'm, you know, I want to retire, but you know, it's um, I just think it's just an interesting thing to continuously evolve, learn, and get comfortable in your own skin. And I actually said the only way you can do that is by continuously practicing. And Nick, if you want to be able to have presence to a room, whether that room is five people, 10 people, 100 people, the only way you're going to be able to do that is by practice, 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 and develop your own style. So I think that that's to me, like the one thing I would always say on even appearance, because you know, like I said, like I've shown up in ripped jeans and t-shirts and, you know, I don't think I've ever worn a tie since, I don't know, maybe my wedding. But, you know, it, it, again, it's it's just more about being comfortable in your own skin and, and the, the confidence that can come from that actually sometimes even overrides appearance. Yeah, that's a really good point, being comfortable in your own skin, Mako. As someone who had a long journey to being authentic, you know, I'm finally able to lean into developing my presence. And I was told recently that I have has such a positive energy now that I project people that this person has never met me in person just infers that from teams meetings. So it's, I mean, authenticity unlocks a lot of the other things. I mean, the physical attributes of height and weight and things like that, not no, but a lot of the other things, yeah. And that's a really good point, you know, uh, I, I, uh, Tamsin bringing that up and, and also what Mako's saying is that, you know, appearance, it goes far beyond what you see. You know, it's also, you know, it, it, how you're, the energy you show up with, it's, it, it all comes together. Like I say, these things overlap and it's not really isolated. There are some things that are, that are tangible around, you know, grooming and whatnot. But to your point, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes the intangible things that come along with appearance that can still also create that executive presence. Yeah, I think I was just going to add, you know, having been just been at a tech conference, um, one of the um, organizations that I've seen where I really believe that there's um, almost that perfect blend of uh, inclusivity and um, is, is an organization called Fearless, where I, I think, you know, if you were to look at that, that research that you just mentioned them earlier, Kelly, where it was gravitas and communication and appearance, I almost feel like in that organization, the communication is a little bit above like the gravitas um, because they're very intentional and specific and articulate about their values around inclusivity. Um, and I, it's an organization where um, I've had several conversations with them, you know, over the past couple of years and it, it almost more than any place that I've seen, I, I can see people really feeling like at any level they have, they can be themselves. Um, and I think that's an interesting challenge, you know, maybe for people in leadership is how do we create environments where, you know, people don't have to earn the right to necessarily be themselves, um, that, you know, they feel comfortable um, being able to um, explore being them, their authentic selves um, in any kind of role that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well said across the board from, from you know, all parts of this conversation, because I think that, you know, even as we go back and we had one of our sessions where we talked about kind of the interviewing practices and how to really start to ask the questions that help you identify, you know, is this the right role for me? And also, is this the right team or company for me? And I think when we start to unpack something like appearance, knowing that, again, as we're going through it even now, it's very complicated. There's a lot of things that are not within our control, but as we start to understand what our values are, what's important to us, what allows us to show up as our authentic self. And is this environment going to support that? 
Right? These are all important areas for us to, to think about and consider and get more clear on. So as we make decisions and as we navigate our career, we are aligning ourselves to places that allow us to, again, show up as our authentic self and to be, you know, to be successful in that regard. And, and in future sessions, we'll go into communication, which I think will build a lot on both, Chuck, what you just said, but also Mako, what it means to leverage your voice in a very authentic way, because the reality is we all have platforms. Those platforms may be different levels and they may be different size or scale or scope, but we all have platforms. So we all can choose to show up and share, you know, be it a presentation on a specific project and continue to weave in our authentic voice into that, you know, or when we continue to grow and maybe expand our, our realm of influence or our level, use our voice in the ways that Mako just mentioned, right? When I get, am given the platform, I'm going to talk about something that I actually really care about and that I think is meaningful in what it actually means to be successful, what it actually means to be a leader. And I'm going to use my voice to tell that story instead of just give a standard cut and dry presentation. So it's remembering that all, all of these things kind of come together and they interconnect and they, they all start to help us better understand what we're doing. And I'll tack on the backside of this is the first step always is how we want to be perceived as individuals, how we are setting ourselves up for executive presence, but also equally, how are we teaching those around us? And I think one of the other areas that really triggered for me in this conversation is knowing that there's a stat in the research that says, you know, um, the human brain, we make a, a snap judgment and perception based purely on look and purely on what we're seeing in a moment in about 250 milliseconds. So our brain works really fast. And there's a lot of conversations we can go into science about the brain and efficiency and why, why our brain makes decisions so quickly. But the reality is it happens very quickly. So what we need to be able to do is understand that about others around us, but equally check our own biases, right? If we know that our brain is going to start making assumptions that fast, how are we ensuring that we are not perceiving someone in a specific way, be it around us as a peer, as a different leader, or in our team more specifically, and we ensure that we're not holding them back based on things that they cannot control or that we are not allowing them to show up as their authentic self based on purely physical indicators. So again, it's a two-way piece here. Start with ourselves, and then how are we helping others? How are we leading others? How are we influencing others? And you know, one of the things as we kind of get into the, the last part of this conversation, right, if we talk about you know, the areas that, that I shared from the research, right, of, of being polished, of, you know, really having these, um, you know, opportunities to show that you're, you know, you know, taking care of yourself, all these different areas, be the physical, physical aspects of being tall, um, being youthful, I'll use that one as well. You know, what we have to do is then unpack, again, what that actually can mean for us. We talked about industry and how industry uh, or environment may, may, you know, think that being put together means something very different. I'll be dramatic and say, you know, just take the case of you probably don't want to roll out of bed and go to work in your pajamas, right? As an element of, of showing that you care and that you care and you're taking care of yourself and you care enough to come to work. And again, how you show up, you know, what you decide to wear, making sure again that you're paying attention to the environment around you to show that you care enough about yourself and that you care that's going to reflect on your work. So that's kind of when you think about separating all the, the complexities around appearance and industry and and you know all the different factors cultural etc how we want to show up as authentically is boil it down to what it, it matters you know matters as far as i'm boiling it down to the fact that i care i care enough to to take care of myself you know to put myself together in a way that i can be proud to show up and that's going to mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people the youthful one was really interesting because my first trigger right 250 millisecond moment was well, is this going to be like an age bias thing? Because I mean, we're all going to age. We can't all just be, you know, 25 the rest of our lives. But I think there's an element. Of maybe, being maybe, youthful. maybe you can't. <laughs> Let me know when you figure that out, Mako. Um, we're both going to figure out how to be taller and we're going to stay 25 forever. Um, but, you know, there's an element of youthful that I think is actually le far less about, you know, just the way you look, but it's really about just also, and it goes back to gravitas, again, auto overlap. It goes back to also how do you show up? What is your energy level, right? Are you coming in and are you are you coming and showing that you know you you have energy and you're going to lean in and you're going to be a part of it, right? Are you going to be passive and sitting back? So, again, we have to kind of walk this line because again, we know as we've said for the you know beginning part of this that 
a lot of these things are out of our control. We can't choose to be younger and we shouldn't necessarily always ascribe to making ourselves feel like we have to do all of these different things to make ourselves look younger or look a certain way or have to over-index and feel like we have to become something else. But again, understand what it means for us, what feels authentic to us, where do we feel that we have an inclusive environment that we can be successful in that allows us to not only foster our own authenticity, but the authenticity of others. So I said a lot, I'm gonna pause there. I would love to hear other reactions, but I would love to hear how do you do this for yourself as we kind of get into like the tactics of moving forward and bringing this into where all of us have our own areas of you know, things that are out of our control or maybe industries that we work in. You know, How are you navigating this and how are you defining kind of what appearance means for you and the way that you show up, even when I say something like show up polished, what does that mean to you and how do you apply that for yourself? So I, I love all of this conversation. Like it, it's just solid, but I wanna bring up, cause you're talking about all these kind of these fine lines that we walk. And I think one of the really big ones that comes for me when we have this conversation is both trying to rise in my career. And so having to ascribe to whatever it means to be polished and professional, particularly at that institution. I mean, it's one thing when you are at the top, but it's another thing when you're still growing and you, you do have to kind of align with the culture. But on the other hand, fighting against that, like as a woman, I don't want these um, expectations of what we need to dress like or look like to persist in society. And so it's that question of, how can I do both? That comes to my mind a lot. And I haven't quite figured it out yet. I think I lean more heavily on, I need to to look polished and professional at this point in my career. Um, but I'd, I'd be curious what others think about that. Yeah, as others add in, I, I'm gonna 100% echo what you just hit on Alexis, because I think if I speci specifically go from my lens as a woman, I've, I'm with you. I've definitely navigated this. You know, we can talk about the joke that we just hit on, right, of wearing a suit. Now, I don't wear suits to work um, because, again, I work in an environment that that would be, I would get jokes about in my interviewing because that's that's not that's not the, the norm for us. Um, but I also, you know, definitely find myself being far more acutely aware of what I can wear versus way maybe what others around me can get away with, right? So I generally, if I'm going into a big presentation, you know, maybe much more inclined to not wear jeans where I would wear jeans normally. I might find myself wearing a button up shirt and a blazer. I might find myself kind of putting on more of the corporate suit as I use air quotations to start to look and aspire to be perceived seriously in business, which again, I think as we look at all the biases that are around this very complicated topic, there are differences where I know that as a woman, I sometimes am going to be perceived differently. And again, I think there's a lot that's going on to push against that. And I'm very fortunate to be around very supportive leaders at all levels that help you know, support my success as well, that creates um, or reduces some of the pressures that I think some women definitely feel, but it's it's very real. It's not something that again, I definitely always walk that line of feeling like, do I need to put the suit on? Do I need to put on the heels? I hate wearing heels. They hurt my feet. I don't like wearing them. So when do I feel that pressure? And how do I start to push back against that to ensure that I can show up as my best self? I can be perceived as a senior leader with executive presence, but not feel like I have to start to put on a costume. You know, and that's the best way I can think of describing it. And it's, again, it's not a cut or dry and there is no secret to it but it is about starting to figure out how you can navigate it um, and understand again, both where do you find that comfortable line that you can walk, but also surround yourself always goes back to like, you know, again, what we've talked about before, surround yourself with strong sponsors and advocates who can help you help advocate for you and help you on your, your path to, um, to, to growth. So you don't feel like you're kind of on your own trying to figure out how to navigate it alone, which can be incredibly challenging. Well, you know, you know, Kelly, the thing I, I cannot comment on, you know, the challenges of being a woman. So it's it's, it's hard. I mean, look, I, I'm acknowledging that. Actually, I, I can't even imagine there's got to be incredible pressures about it because, you know, the society just in general, they put different norms on it. It's horrible, actually. I mean, I feel like as a, as a male, you know, for example, like, I don't know, I'm over 52, you know, 51. I'm 
living in the Northwest, how I'm wearing flannel now more than anything else, you know, it's all, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, I, I never have felt that pressure. So I feel it would be unfair to, to comment on that. But I also always like to lens in on the concept of if you're not accepted around, you know, that culture, it's almost like, you know, I don't know. It's really hard to, 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 to quantify because a lot of times I ask myself these days, like, oh, am I surrounding myself with the right people? Am I at the right company? Am I doing the right things if I can't be accepted for, for what I'm doing? And uh, that lens is in. But again, I, I totally recognize I'm a very different career uh, point than you know those starting out or, or, or whatnot. And I have to acknowledge that. But it's, um, oh, boy, I don't know. I just, I, I just found such value and enrichment of myself about like finding the place where I felt like I could just be my own personality and allow myself to rise around that regardless of what I'm wearing or uh, how I'm talking. So I don't know. It, it's just a, it's, it, it's a super interesting conversation and thank you for bringing all of that up. Yeah. Again, Amiko, I think what you're hitting on is, is, you know, very well said because, and again, I, I appreciate that although I can talk about the complexities of, of being a woman and navigating, you know, career growth, you know, growth and corporate environments, et cetera. I also appreciate that I'm very privileged for many, in many other ways, um, including that I'm very privileged to be at a specific level that actually allows me to have a lot more freedom than others do. So again, that's but, why I but can do I, always can I to... comment, can I comment yeah. on just something you said there though? Cause like I, I, I knew you and I met you first when you were not at the executive level and you know, the thing is you always carried yourself with a certain presence, right? You know, you spoke really articulately, you were, you were very fact driven. You, um, didn't stutter when you were, you know, coming into a conversation, you know, I, I, you just always had a, a really good presence about you and you were able to communicate ideas very clearly, uh, with authority, even to those at higher levels. So, you know, I, I just think it's also, it, it goes so much more than just appearance, I think, you know, and it's just, or maybe it doesn't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm biased or something like that, right? I just, like, I just knew, you, I knew you when, you know, and it was like, you know, I, I, al I always knew, you know, you had a, a presence about yourself that I could see you were going places. Well, thank you, Mako. I appreciate that. And I think what you're hitting on is as we go into the next, you know, two weeks, we'll hit on communication and gravitas. And again, I think, you know, there's a lot, you know, and we've all been in different circles and you and I have known each other for a while. So you know, I think we all show up as our, you know, in our, our ways that we have our own abilities and the way our own styles, as we talked about communication styles, but also have learned from those around us who I think have invested and fostered, you know, our ability to, to have a platform, right. So to have a voice in the room. But I think what you're hitting on is, um, you know, how do we start to unpack, you know, appearance is just one very, very small piece of all of this. We want to make sure that appearance doesn't distract but what's really going to be important, I think, is as we go into the big topics of what does it mean to communicate, as you articulated and appreciate it, the way that I communicate and where I, where I have in my own style, you have your own style, right, as we talk about kind of the way that you've presented and using your voice. And then what does that mean for Gravitas? How do you show up in a room, right? When you're not speaking, what is your presence? You know, what does it mean to be in a room with you? And we all have the ability. Those are far more within our control. Those are things, as you mentioned, Mako, like not copying, um, but maybe learning from watching different speakers, learning from watching YouTube, learning from other communication styles around you to hone your own authentic way that you show up, that you speak. And again, I'm really excited about going into those conversations because we knew starting with this one, it's very complicated. And there's a lot of things that are completely out of our control, including how others ultimately perceive us. But if we can first understand and figure out how we can leverage some aspects of that, or again, at least be very aware in how we're observing and what that means to us as we make decisions about both how we show up, how we present ourselves, and also what's come up frequently here, what environment do we want to be in, right? And is this environment actually in alignment so that we can be authentic or do changes need to happen there? So that again, when we get into the things that we can control, we can hone we kind of are bringing these all together, but I'll pause there. I definitely want to open it to the floor. There were other thoughts on kind of how do you think about this? How do you, how do you approach it? And what advice do you have as you think about others who might be listening to this, trying to figure out how they can navigate uh, the appearance topic? 
Oh, you know, one of the things that I, uh, I, I, I started this week, you know, is because, because I think this all really comes down to really your, even your own perception. All of us probably have a, a little bit of a different perception of what executive presence means in terms of, of these three pillars. And um, I've loved this conversation because it's really come to the surface. It's very obvious. And, and also on the levels of, you know, different people, you know, that have, have maybe, like I say, maybe Mako or Kelly who have worked their way up and people simply know who you are. So it gives you more of that flexibility to be yourself, your authentic self, which we're all, we're all trying to be. Um, but I, I just totally lost my train of thought because I was going down this track. But, oh, I was just going to say the, the perception, but I think that I, what I did is I started inquiring um, with other leaders that I know, senior leaders and leaders of all levels, is like, what is executive presence to them? And I'm trying to kind of gather some of that, that perspective to see, you know, if there's, if there's other areas that maybe we might want to bring back to this conversation or uh, just to see if there's you know, how far off the market may be, or maybe it completely aligns here. And then the other thing going off uh, to kind of changing the subject here is another area around appearance that I just want to make sure we hit on is around when we talk about um, simple, stylish clothes that position you for the next job. You know, Kelly and I've had a lot of conversation about a lot of times you have to be, when it, when it comes to executive presence, you need to, to try to be showing up at the next level you want to be at. You can't really operate at the level you currently are if you're really looking for something promotional. And in addition to, you know, the way you show up based upon your organizational culture, you also should be aware of the fact that your office is also a vehicle for your brand, right? So it's like your the space you live in, when people walk in there, what is the perception they're having of you? And I think that's a really also really important part of of appearance for us from as an executive or as trying to move up and be promoted or whatever that may be. So any thoughts around that? Well, you're, you're tapping on something that I, that again, I'm sorry for hogging the mic today. I haven't been on in like two months. We're loving it, Mako. We got a lot, of, I got a lot of pent up stuff going on. Um, but like, isn't it actually like the appearance? I mean, yes, the, if the appearance is sort of the, the, the first uh, um, impression, as you say, but like the, the, the real thing around executive presence is, I think, just understanding how others around you are experiencing you. You know, I think that's actually kind of kind of and then maybe you've had that in a previous conversation. I don't know. But like to me, it's like the, the appearance is the first impression. But as you begin to talk, speak, communicate an idea, you know, having a really cool keen understanding about how you're being perceived by the room or, you know, either if it's a you know, leaders or an audience or whatever, that's the part that I always try to like really lens in on it. Cause like I go into those types of situations with like, okay, I want to be perceived in this way. And this is how I'm going to sculpt or mold, whether I'm what I'm wearing, how I'm talking, what I'm talking about the deck, you know, all those types of things to how I want that audience to, to, to take me in. Okay, so let me tag on to that then. So it's because it's I think this is really great, good conversation here. Is So when you say that, that's really compelling. And I'm curious to know how you do that. Okay, you're, you're, an, you're an executive. So, you know, how are, how are you doing that? Because there's a lot of people that are at entry-level um, leadership positions here listening to this. And I'd be curious to hear more about how you know and how you do that. I saw Alexis come off mute. So do you want to say something first or should I answer? Well, I think, I think you, you finished. I had an interest. Y'all are making me think of interesting other things, but I want to hear what you have to say about this. So how do I do that? Um, I always, well, personally, I always try to inject humor into any conversation that I do. You know, Kelly, Kelly has been there when I've given presentations to executives that ends up having, you know, charts full of tacos on it because I'm just trying to, you know, be, a, you know, inject some of my personality to maybe a serious conversation. We're talking about like growth of a expenditure and I'm using tacos to represent, you know, the, the, the build out of how much cost things are costing us. And people are like, why the hell are you using tacos in your slot? Cause you know, to me, 
that's what my personality or at least my, you know, what I perceive, like I always try to inject humor into things. Like to me, a lot of the stuff is we have very serious conversations and at least in my field, like no one's going to die. You know, it's, we're talking about things just more about like, Oh yeah, we're overspending here. We're not doing this thing more sufficiently. Um, I try to, whenever I'm doing a talk, I always sort of lead in with a, um, uh, a quote that sets the tone for it. I, I typically use a lot of um, not wordy slides. If I'm doing a, you know, a presentation and talking to people, I usually have a, a full bleed image with like four or five words on a slide. Um, really try to have a path of a story when, it, when, I'm, when I'm telling those types of uh, uh, decks or communicating those types of ideas. You know, Nancy Duarte has a great series of books on uh, presence and uh, resonation of topics uh and she has patterns of of stories that that i've tried to to at least emulate in some form of my talk you know often depending on the the, the conversation i'll i'll either dress in a t-shirt or maybe i'll put a shirt on you know with buttons just depending on what it is but i always have some sort of funny quote on a t-shirt so it's it's sort of setting a tone and setting a a, a note that this is not going to be your normal type of talk um i probably dive too much into my own, you know, if I'm giving that talk, for example, to a bunch of new students incoming, like I, I you know, I, I, we're all human beings, right? So I try to open up a little bit of my personal experiences. I'm not a, a, a robot, you know, and even as I, you know, do my newsletter stuff, a lot of the commentary I get back is like, wow, like you speak very authentically to your, that you're a human being, you're not an executive that is like, you know, has an invisible shield on, you're very vulnerable um, to things that have gone in there. So I don't know. I mean, it all depends on what I'm doing. Like if I'm, I got to go do a budget presentation next week, you know, I'll probably slip a Simpsons reference in there because I know my boss likes the Simpsons and, you know, I'll, you know, he'll, he'll find the humor. And actually the name of my deck is called colonoscopy because it's going to be a, a budget <laughs> review. So, you well, know, it's, as I say, this is really, really helpful. And I think one of the things that we can probably delve into this more um, also in our coming conversations, but I, I'd also love to hear at some point, you know, like if you were talking to somebody that was, you know, a newer leader, you know, what would be the advice that you would give them about, you know, as you said, you know, knowing, going into a room and you know, assessing your audience and, 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 you know, being able to read your audience as you're doing these presentations. I mean, you've kind of got your style down and that's great and everything, but you know, like what would be that advice to a, a leader who's really trying to establish that, that presence and that reputation? Oh, I'd say that's, that's almost an easier one. I'd say two things. One, um, don't try to copy anybody else. Be yourself is like a big one for me. Just, just authentically be yourself if you can. Two, try not to say anything stupid. You know, and I, what, what I mean that is like, you know, you're not, we've all been in those rooms where people say some really, bit, uh, in, you know, bad things. Like just, you know, I know that's kind of loose and probably not, I don't know. I don't know if that's directed. I don't want to call out specific examples, but I've been in, in situations where we, you know, Kelly's been in some of those with me and she knows who probably some of the people I'm talking about. Like you don't say certain things in front of certain people, you know, I just, so you got, you got to have just an awareness of, of the audience. Um, you know, I gave a talk once very early on in my career and I knew HR was in the room and I was prodding and I said, Oh, before I begin my talk, you know, everyone reach under your chair and see if there's a pink slip. I got in a lot of trouble for saying that. So uh, I would just say, don't do those types of things. Just, you know, know, know some of the audience, but I would actually say, try to just articulate whatever point you're trying to make very clearly and add your own personality to it. Yeah. And I think that's really, and again, what I'll, what I'll add on to that because maybe I think that's great advice, both in using the examples of, of, of your style, you know, which scene you present, like, yes, this is that's exactly how you show up in presentations. And I think the element of vulnerability is really powerful because I think it's a way for all of us to, to show up as our authentic selves. And we say, well, what does that actually mean? Well, it actually means you're weaving in your personality, who you are, what do you care about? What is your voice? But equally, it goes back to what you said is, you know, don't copy, right? And I've, I've joked before in past conversations too about the fact that, you know, you have a very distinct style, right? And humor is a big part of your presentation style. That is not a part of my presentation style. So if I all of a sudden went to a presentation next week and started 
throwing in, you know, taco charts or putting jokes in, it would be, it would catch everybody off guard and it would not be authentic to who I am. It's not on your, it's not on your brand, but you know, I got to admit those taco charts, what, eight years later, I still get comments about the taco (laughs) charts. It was a standout moment. Whereas again, like I tend to, you know, again, I probably have a more serious tone in my style, but I tend to lean much more towards, you know, connecting from an emotional perspective as I'm thinking. And again, we have a lot of similar styles. And as far as presentation um, attributes, I will call it, be it like the, the style of the actual slides that we're using. But I think it's about, again, those moments of what I could only call storytelling. What is your storytelling, both in the content that you're presenting, be it a budget review, a project update, whatever it is. And then what does it mean for you to have your, your authentic voice show up? in that and make sure that you get that and it takes a lot to hone that it isn't something that happens overnight and it takes a lot of practice so even being in forums like clubhouse where the stakes are very low and you're having a conversation it helps you find your voice it helps you figure out how to talk about the things that matter to you in a way that can connect with those around you going back to what you said may go about it ultimately comes down to how people are perceiving you and how do you want to be perceived. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're reiterating something there too that's super important. It, it, it really is about practice at the end of the day, right? You, you, you need to put yourself into safe environments where you can practice without judgment. You can tone the skill. You know, I think if we're talking about appearance, I mean, if there's anything, you don't want your appearance to be a distraction, but more of a, um, you know, an just part of it all, right? It's, 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 it's about the thing that helps you inspire your own internal confidence is where I kind of lens in on a lot, but like, yes. you know, I'm not a fashion model, you know, I'm not trying to impress anybody. So. Well, yeah, Mako, you hit on exactly what I was thinking about this conversation too, that, you know, although it is very much about this perception, et cetera, you just said it, which is you should be looking at your appearance, not only as you don't want to be a distraction, but how do you want to be setting yourself up to have the confidence? What makes you feel good? What makes you feel strong, confident, whatever that means, and make sure that your appearance is, of course, not distracting, but it's also helping you feel that. It's helping you embody that physically, and I think that's one of the most empowering things that we can think about when we start to kind of think about what it means to hone in and pay attention to our physical appearance and really embrace who we already are, how we are showing up, and what provides us the confidence to be our most authentic selves. Yeah, I love that because I think at the end of the day, and you know, maybe it's just the industry that we we are in, you know, to me, then the appearance thing comes down to what is going to give you the most confidence to be the most authentic, because that's going to resonate to to the, you know, if I work for an insurance company or a bank, maybe that's very different. But in the, uh, you know, the, you know, when I was working at Nike, if I, if I showed up in Adidas, that would probably be, you know, suicide, you know? So I think you just got to read the room a little bit, but also like, you know, what gives you the most comfort to be yourself. And that's going to resonate, you know, in, in, through all of it. I know Chad's been off mute for a while. Sorry, Chad. Chad, did you want to add anything? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm loving all this. Yeah, there's some really terrific, um, you know, comments also on the chat. Um, and just want to add, you know, just a little bit to that is that, you know, as a part of just wanting to feel good myself, I've gone out to look at, you know, different ways that I could improve my style based on my body type. And, you know, but I think going back to what, what folks were just saying a little, a little bit ago, it's also about just, you know, learning about myself, what the the message that I want to convey, and then feeling good about myself and, you know, my grooming and my appearance and so forth. And, and, um, yeah, I, I think there's lots of there. There's a lot of different opportunities to find different bits and pieces, you know, to um, um, I guess, you know, to to also align with, you know, being authentic, you know, and, and sort of displaying those things that you want to show to that outwardly. Yeah, there's some great, really great dialogue happening in the in the chat. So I, I really appreciate everybody really chiming in and really being vulnerable about you know uh, how they feel about it, their 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 appearance. But also, like I say, this this uh, executive appearance presence content content is is very deep. It's 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 very thought provoking. It it requires a lot of 
uh, consideration as we talk through this over the next coming weeks. And so I, I appreciate everybody kind of chiming in there. And I, we're, we're up to the, the end of the hour now, so we're going to have to get ready to close this out. Uh, but, you know, with that said, you know, continue. I love the conversation in chat. I love the fact that we're we're asking ourselves some hard questions about, you know, like, how do we how do we deal with bias? How do we deal with stereotypes? How do we overcome those those things? And, you know, what and, and, and consider, you know, what awareness have you gained today? And a lot of awareness came forth. A lot of people started to think about, you know, areas where they feel vulnerable. And, you know, how do you rate yourself in, in terms of your appearance? And what steps can you maybe take to um, to improve your appearance? You know, there's lots of, of ways that you can do it. Part of that is just simply showing that you're making an effort. That's like a very, very simple thing to do. But these are things we'll continue to, to talk about. So, you know, the most important thing is that really executive pre uh, presence is really about inspiring trust and confidence. And that's what we're hearing um, Mako talk about, Kelly talk about in some of their um, joint pre presentation experiences. Um, and really what you don't want to do is just lose out on opportunities and by not trying or not being aware of it. Um, and so making the, just be raising your awareness and making the effort to really understand how people are perceiving you um, can be a really huge step moving forward. So um, anyway, more to come. Really appreciate the great conversation today. Um, this week, maybe just take some time to ask, ask other people what they think about what executive presence is. Um, maybe observe what senior leaders in the C-suite or other people in other industries out there, what they're doing, what, what you see is, uh, it, what you see them wearing, what do you see, how are they reflecting their executive presence and what they're saying or what they're doing or, you know, how they're showing up. These are all ways that you can, you can start to understand better, you know, where you're at and, and what you need to do to to move forward and then um mako you had a great resource nancy duarte i understand and also there's some great youtube uh, videos out there that you can look at as well to see you know how are people doing presentations how are they showing up you know it, it's it's all about authenticity you have to be authentic or you can't you know you don't come across you know as yourself um but again executive presence is is something I think we all struggle with. As Kelly said, it can be really ambiguous and elusive as a term. And, we'll, and we're going to just continue to delve into this and really talk about it more over the coming weeks. So um, the quote I have to close this out today is a leader must look and act the part. And so that's from David McCullough. And on that note, I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. We'll see you back next Saturday at 930 Pacific Standard Time. Go out and have a great week, you guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Have a great Bye, weekend. Bye, everyone. See ya.